January 6th security footage, those tapes, it belongs to the American people. We have been denied it for years, and now we're going to see it. We've gotten little glimpses here and there, the ones they wanted us to see. Sometimes what they didn't want to see, Tucker Carlson, thank you very much. More on that later. But they're being posted online, the tapes from January 6th, from security cameras inside the Capitol, and it's about time. That is our property. We, the American taxpayer, own it, and we should have seen it years ago. Let's take a look. This just emerged actually a matter of minutes ago. What do we see here? Uh, this is the, one of the lobbies of the Capitol. We see police officers standing around, and we see folks, they look like, yeah, those aren't members of Congress. They look like folks who were there for the big uh, rally, walking by. You see any violence? You see anything really untoward? I see two cops talking to each other like they're talking about weekend plans. What's coming next? Now, you might see this and say, well, wait a second. They all broke in. They broke windows to get in there. That's actually not true. They didn't all break windows to get in there. Some people were invited inside, and the police officers seemed to welcome them there, right? Look at this. These are the folks going into the Capitol. This is something the January 6th committee never showed anybody, all right? I can't show it enough. This blows open the preferred January 6th uh, narrative, doesn't it? Blows it, blows it up entirely, entirely. Speaker Johnson, we have you to thank for this, okay? We appreciate it so much. We are going to get all of the footage. He made the statement today, actually. He promised a while ago, and yeah, I am keeping my promise to the American people and making all the January 6th tapes available to all Americans. Thank you very much, sir. You know, Kevin McCarthy, his predecessor, he took a half step in the right direction. Do you remember that? He turned over the footage, not to the American people, but to Tucker Carlson. And I like Tucker, and Tucker did a great job with the footage uh, until they said, Tucker, you better stop or else, right? They threatened Tucker Carlson. What he revealed, though, on his show was amazing. Take a look. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tape show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Isn't that amazing? Jacob Chansley, the horns guy, escorted by Capitol Police. That happened. At least it's worthy of discussion, don't you think? What happened after Tucker's show? Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> the whole world went nuts. If Chuck Schumer, the majority leader of the United States Senate, would speak this openly, this aggressively, in front of the world, what was he doing behind the scenes? What threats? was he making to, say, Tucker's boss? Check it out. Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, tell Carlson not to run a second segment of lies. You know it's a lie. You've admitted it's a lie. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty intense. Nobody admitted anything. This is footage, security camera footage. The footage doesn't lie. What else did he say that day? We all, Americans, of all types and stripes and corners of this country. Democrats, Republicans, independents need to take a stand and call out Mr. Carlson's conduct for what it is, a dangerous, unforgivable attempt to destabilize our democracy and rewrite the history of the worst attack on our Constitution since the Civil War. 
dangerous and unforgivable. Airing security footage from January 6th. You know why dangerous and unforgivable? Because it undermines the preferred narrative of January 6th. Remember that? Remember what they put us through? You think they were selective about what footage they aired, how they aired it, how they edited Donald Trump's speech? Of course they were. Uh, Tucker Carlson, I have a theory, probably was forced out because of this. Because of this episode, the majority leader of the uh, U.S. Senate yelling and screaming at unforgivable, contemptible. What was he saying to Rupert Murdoch behind closed doors? I'm very proud of this, by the way. Uh, this show, me, right? We ran a lot of that footage. Greg Kelly reports Newsmax's flagship show provided the most promotion of any program, more than 37 minutes of coverage, a total exceeding what all of Carlson's Fox colleagues provided combined. Because it was, it was and is a huge story. The excuses to keep this stuff private are absolutely pathetic. Oh no, people will know that there are security cameras in the Capitol. That's literally the defense they offer. The bad guys will know where the security cameras are. They already know there's security cameras everywhere. There are security cameras everywhere, but that's their excuse. Sharing that footage is a grave mistake that risks emboldening the supporters of the big lie. What he did yeah. in terms of the lens of capital security and national security, there's really no excuse for it. House Democrats have been pretty clear that providing security footage uh, in a manner that would jeopardize protocols. The truth is this doesn't belong in the public domain for anybody. He is risking uh, the security of himself and of his colleagues uh, and of the Capitol uh, itself. And the rationale is they'll know where the security cameras are. How about that guy? You know who he is? He's a Washington Post journalist saying we should not see this. Nobody should see this. Isn't it? They have a motto. Light uh, beats the darkness. Democracy dies in darkness. And look at what they say. You know what I am most um, kind of curious about? Not more than curious, passionate about. The death of Ashley Babbitt, we need to know all, all of the information surrounding what happened to her. You probably remember, even though the fake news never wants to acknowledge her, that she was shot and killed, even though she was unarmed, posed no threat to anyone. You know, the, you don't get the death penalty for jumping through a window. You don't get the death penalty for trespassing. And she may have been let into the Capitol. We want to get to the bottom of it. And... Another reason why I'm kind of glad Kevin Johnson's on duty instead of Kevin McCarthy. This was Kevin McCarthy's attitude regarding Ashley Babbitt. One of the first things Marjorie Taylor Greene said from the oversight dais was that Ashley Babbitt was murdered. Mm -hmm. Do you think Ashley Babbitt was murdered or do you think the police officer who shot her was doing his job? I think the police officer did his job. The police officer, Lieutenant Michael Byrd, did his job shooting an unarmed woman? Uh, no who was about 12 feet away from the officer? Absolutely not. There's not a police department in the country that would say that that was a justified shooting. Speaker Johnson, thank you again for making this footage available to the American people. We will be going through it all weekend long and beyond, seeing what we can learn about the reality of January 6th. Sir, thank you very much. It is just insane because this letter is so well written and so reasonably structured um, in an argument. Like you gotta present your findings, you gotta 
you know, you got to state your cause, all that. Like, everything he said was valid. Uh, she's talking about Osama bin Laden. And the letter that he wrote justifying the attack on America, taking out the World Trade Center and murdering 3,000 people. Have you heard about this? <laughs> it's um, gone viral all over again. And people are saying, you know what? Osama bin Laden had a real point. All kinds of TikTok users and beyond on social media are rallying around Osama bin Laden right now. Yeah, Osama bin Laden. You know, what has happened to our country? What has happened to our culture? This mass murderer is being hailed as some sort of hero by some of the leading social media influencers. Something obviously has gone wrong, but it's gone wrong very, very fast. You remember the day our Navy SEALs killed this guy, right? It was glorious. Happened in 2011. I remember where I was when I got the news. Maybe you remember. And we saw some really beautiful things. America coming together as a country and celebrating. And you know who's out there in force? America's college students. Isn't that beautiful? USA, USA, right in front of the White House. Thousands of privileged students from the best universities, Georgetown, GW, Northern Virginia American. The same statues that were defaced during Black Lives Matter, they decorated them with American flags. And it wasn't just happening there, it was all over the place, all over the country. People were proud to be an American. I mean, doesn't that seem like a century ago? What happened? What happened to us? 2011, 2023. The contrast is incredible. This happened the other day at the DNC. Those are all pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist uh, demonstrators there. Uh, they're on the same side as Osama bin Laden. So... We're a country in a free fall. 2011 versus 2023, we are in tough shape. Do we really have a country anymore? What is a country? What's the definition? A region, territory, or large tract of land distinguishable by features of topography, biology, culture. Forget biology, culture. A way of living, shared values, heritage. What do we have now? We don't have that. We don't. We have millions of American kids siding with the people who did this to us, who destroyed those towers and murdered 3,000 people. I was there. I kind of find it totally outrageous that people have either forgotten or they're actually agreeing with the bad guys. How many people were lost? Nearly 3,000. 3,000 beautiful lives. I don't know. For some, it's so impersonal. It happened to another generation. Let's see if we can personalize it a little bit. The oldest victim of 9-11, Robert Grant Norton. He was 85 years old. And the youngest, Christine Hansen. I always think of her, actually, when I think of 9-11. Just two and a half years old. How could any human being side with the people who did this, who killed this child? It is unthinkable, but that's where we are. I'll be right back. Donald Trump, you know they're trying to destroy him, but they're not succeeding. Uh, 
Well, they've arrested him several times, but there is a sense, even the Democrats seem to know that they're not going to get a verdict before the election day. And even if they do, it'll probably be overturned on appeal. So they're resorting to even more outlandish stunts, like removing him from the ballot. Yeah, getting him kicked off the ballot in certain states uh, so people won't even be able to vote for Donald Trump. They tried this in Colorado. Now, Colorado has nine electoral votes. It generally goes uh, blue, right? It generally goes for Democrats. In fact, the last time a Republican won it was back in 2004, George W. Bush. But it is the principle. It would be depriving the people the right to choose their president, have a choice. A judge just ruled a little while ago that the effort to uh, get Donald Trump off the ballot has been rejected. Uh, it's illegal, according to the judge. Uh, this just happened a little while ago. We're joined now by Dave Williams. He's the chairman of the Colorado Republican Party and a strong ally of Donald Trump. Uh, welcome, sir. And uh, this sounds like very good news to me. I have not read all 91 pages, but uh, I think it's looking great, right? Yeah, it's, it's looking good. You know, ultimately, we're happy with the ruling. We think the judge... Uh, took too many pages to get to the uh, right decision here, and we certainly don't agree with her opinion that Donald Trump engaged in some insurrection. Uh, but nevertheless, he's going to be on the ballot, and ultimately the voters are going to reelect him uh, president uh, if he becomes our nominee. Right. Uh, so that was the whole thing here. Under the 14th Amendment, you can't run or be president if you engage in insurrection, and they're trying to say that he engaged in insurrection, therefore ineligible. But that obviously didn't work. And she doesn't like Trump, right? No, no, we, we don't believe so. If you, if you read all 90 of those pages, she goes to great lengths about how she doesn't believe Trump uh, did the right thing, uh, even though he uh, encouraged everyone to peacefully and patriotically uh, protest what was going on with the certification. All right. Uh, well, having said that, she deserves credit. She may have her own biases, uh, but let's go to the ruling. Full screen one, the judge said, the court is persuaded that officers of the United States did not include the president of the United States. As a result, the court holds that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment does not apply to Trump. Interesting that, yeah, as president, he's not an officer, and this applies to the 14th Amendment. So she's being a little bit technical, but, hey, I'll take it. Yeah. A win is a win. Uh, he's going to be on the ballot, and ultimately this was an attempt by uh, election uh, uh, interferers who don't, who don't trust that Joe Biden is going to be able to win in a straight-up fight. Donald Trump is the leading contender for the Republican nomination, and he's beating Joe Biden in all the recent polls. So this is a victory for America and certainly for Donald Trump. By the way, the petitioners, uh, just a couple of people, I could argue that they don't have standing uh, the petitioners, the one who brought this lawsuit to get him put off or kicked off the ballot, who are they? They're a bunch of rhinos. I mean, there's, a f there's probably a few uh, unaffiliated voters in there, but they're a bunch of rhinos who just don't like Trump. They're never Trumpers, and they partnered up with a Soros-backed uh, organization to help fund this ridiculous lawsuit, and we're happy that they got smacked down. We're still not done yet. They're going to appeal it to the Colorado Supreme Court, so that's the next round. All right. Uh, by the way, this is Eric Olson, the attorney for the petitioners, i.e., the people who want Trump kicked off the ballot. Let's listen to that. 
six Colorado voters, four Republicans and two independents, brought this case to ensure Colorado has a fair election among eligible candidates. Trump incited a violent mob to attack our capital, to stop the peaceful transfer of power under our Constitution. That mob got within 40 feet of Vice President Pence after they chased him from the Senate floor. That mob tried to hurt and kill our elected leaders. And we are here because Trump claims, after all that, he has the right to be president again. But our Constitution, our shared charter of our nation, says he cannot do so. All right, totally nauseating. I've heard it a million different times, and it's also so emotional. It's not a legal argument. Now I'd like to hear from Scott Gessler. He's uh, one of the attorneys on Trump's side. Go ahead. At the end of the day, it is a rotted foundation, and it is another attempt at the January 6th, uh, using the January 6th report to limit people's ability to vote. All right. This is happening in a lot of other states, though. Well, not a lot of other. Minnesota, maybe Wisconsin. This uh, it portends very positively for our side, correct? Oh, I think so. I, I think even, even your craziest left-wing activist judges realize it's not a good idea to undermine free and fair elections. In order to have those free and fair elections, you have to allow people to vote for the candidates they want to vote for. Um, that, that's a ruling that I think uh, is going to continue to happen should these efforts uh, continue on by uh, these Soros-backed left-wing groups. Very quickly, uh, what kind of reputation does the Colorado Supreme Court have? Are they crazy or are they sane or are they what? They're not very good, uh, I'll tell you that. But if uh, Minnesota's any indication, I think we're going to head to another victory. All right, I want to show that picture again. You and President Trump. Looks like this was taken at the White House. Tell us a little bit about this occasion and what uh, what was going on. Uh, yeah, actually, no. He visited Colorado uh, for a rally a few years back, and it was a great time. Uh, he's a class act, and uh, we're certainly excited to help get him elected uh, should he become our nominee. Hey, how do we turn Colorado red? You guys have been blue for 20 years. What's going on? You're the chair. <laughs> We're working on it. We're getting a new uh, good team of people who are going to make sure that we win in 2024. I assure you that. All right. Good luck. Hey, by the way, did you hear that Snoop Dogg gave up pot? Anything's possible. He gave up pot. Snoop Dogg gave up pot. I know they're smoking like crazy in Colorado. I would like to see it go away. So, yeah, anything's possible. People surprise you. And events right. can surprise you. Uh, thank you very, very much. It's good to talk to you. Dave Williams, the chair of the Colorado Republican Party. And we'll be right back. You heard of how Hamas uses human shields. They hide behind women and children. A clear-cut example of that. My gosh. They put the missiles inside a child's bed in Gaza. This is just, I mean, talk about inhumane, unthinkable. Uh, this is how the terrorists roll and all of the military hardware and maybe even hostages themselves at the bottom of that hospital and in the catacombs under uh, Gaza. How are things going right now? Well, it looks like the Israelis uh, just might be mopping up Hamas. Let's bring in the experts, Ryan McBeth, open source intelligence analyst. Welcome, sir. And also Thank Blaine you. Holt, the retired Brigadier General of the U.S. Air Force and super smart guy when it comes to all things military. Uh, all right. Overall, uh, General Holt, 
What's the most important thing we should be thinking about right now uh, related to Gaza? Right now, we've got to put, we've got to watch our State Department very carefully uh, because this uh, showing daylight with our ally Israel, especially especially in the messaging thing. So what we've seen is publicly making all these announcements, telling them how to fight their war, when to fight their war, under what terms. Um, they're not getting with the, the world community at the UN, and they're not helping uh, the Israelis with their messaging. The reason that this is important, Greg, is because the counter-Israel uh, sentiment in the world community is palpable. And embassies left and right in, in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem are rolling up uh, from countries you wouldn't even imagine, like Honduras and others. Um, eventually, this is going to get traction, and it's going to become a, a real strategic problem for not just Israel, but for the United States. Uh, Ryan Macbeth, first off, open source intelligence analyst. That is a fancy way of, you're an expert on, on all things available publicly. How does that work? Tell us a little I, bit about your perspective on things and how you got it. Basically, I, I do read a lot, but uh, I essentially analyze information that is publicly available so that uh, we can draw certain conclusions about intelligence activity. Uh, based on what I've seen, especially stuff coming out of uh, Hamas's telegram channel. For example, we can see that their anti-tank missiles have been extremely ineffective against Merkava tanks. And that is information that is available openly. Yeah, and these, uh, these systems, I think we have a, a picture of, the, of what you just mentioned. Are they trying out some of these technologies for the very first time? Uh, not necessarily for the very first time, but... Uh, one of the technologies that Israel uses is called the trophy system, which is essentially an, uh, an iron dome for a tank. This protects tanks from all sides against various incoming missiles. Um, and this, is this has been extremely effective inside Gaza because they are able to shoot down anti-tank missiles. Here's a good example right here. They're able to shoot down anti-tank missiles as they're coming in, which keeps the tankers safe from incoming fire. All right, well, we want that. Um, I wonder, General, was there a little bit too much reliance, though, on technology by the Israelis? I, I, there were, like, automatic, unmanned machine guns looking at that fence, right? Uh, the Israelis really kind of took their eye off the ball uh, prior to October 7th, literally. So did five other intelligence services, Greg. This is the thing that has to be answered before we ever figure out what's really going on here. You know, the day before this happened, on October 6th, um, a small dog would have been detected by five different countries around the world. And and to, to have all of us believe that all of a sudden, not only uh, was there a major breach in that security, but that Israeli rapid reaction forces couldn't mount up and go make some sort of resistance at that moment it, it, it's very troubling about how that came about. And I get it, Benjamin Netanyahu saying, hey, that's another fight another time. We'll talk about it later. I don't think so. I think we need to know that right now. Hmm. Uh, that would be kind of tough. What do you make of that, Ryan? I mean, there were failures. And can you assess what we just talked about? They did have these kind of remote control, unmanned uh, sensor detonated systems looking at Gaza, right? Not too many people. You're... Somewhat correct with that. Uh, okay. Israel put a lot of money into this border fence and into systems that could detect approaching vehicles, approaching people, and that system failed that day. You always need a human in the loop. You can't necessarily rely 
on technology to solve your problems. At the end of the day, there's always going to be that infantryman on the ground with two eyes and two ears listening and trying to find your adversary. So Israel tried the technology approach. In this case, it did not work out the way they thought it would. I mean, man, that is a pretty glaring failure. That is the worst. I mean, to say the machines are going to take care of us, well, maybe BB will have to answer that. Hey, can I? Can we talk about China and President Xi and Joe Biden real quick? Uh, it looked to me like a disaster. I think we have uh, just, you know, Mr. Xi kind of owned Joe Biden. Although I don't necessarily have a problem with Joe Biden calling him a dictator out loud. Do you, uh, Blaine? No, I don't. It's just if you're going to call him a dictator, at least get something for your trouble. Have a have a strategy behind your words. But but what happened in actuality, besides the dictator slam, is that uh, they came here with a pair of twos and a failed economy and and a Western uh, set of businesses that are fleeing China in droves, including their their wealthiest and most intelligent. Um, and so we should have pressed our terms. We should have uh, said the bad behavior is going to have to stop now if you want our help. In, in fact, the opposite happened. They, they, they promised to do something about fentanyl if we could, they could have police stations. Um, the artificial intelligence advantage, we said, oh, well, we'll give that to you. And um, it, it just, it's not, it's not going well. It's an appeasement trick. But, but Greg, what I would say is how much more circumstantial evidence do we have to see before we start questioning our government's uh, motivations and intentions towards the Chinese Communist Party? Uh, Ryan, you're reading just about everything there is to read. How is this going down in China? Uh, how is it being reported, and how, what, what's their takeaway, or what are they being told? I, I'm not quite sure what the Chinese are being told. I'm sure they're not even sure what they're being told hmm. is correct. I can tell you that when you, if you want to talk about fentanyl, TikTok is fentanyl for your phone, and we're letting that right into the country, and that that is not an issue that we pressed with the Chinese when uh, the, uh, the president met. Um, China, it, it doesn't really matter what China is hearing because they are speaking with one voice that the United States is a threat and that China can defeat the United States in a naval battle. That's a very dangerous presumption for China to have. Hopefully, if one thing came out of this meeting, it's that the United States and China might agree to a hotline so that two different militaries can talk to each other to ensure that there are no misunderstandings in the future. A telephone. <laughs> a telephone, right? I mean, like, I, uh, and Joe bragged about how tight he was with President Xi all those years. Very, very strange. Ryan McBeth. Check out his website, Ryan M. McBeth, M-C-B-E-T-H dot com. And uh, General Holt, would you give us that crazy Twitter address of yours again? You betcha. It's at the underscore irascible at, uh, on Twitter. All right. <laughs> at the underscore irascible. And uh, thank you very much. We'll be right back. Wow. George Santos, surrounded by the national media. The embattled congressman. You know he's only a first-term congressman, not even in his... Uh, he hasn't even completed one year. And they're hassling him like, uh, I don't know. This is beyond any reasonable proportion. Okay, he got caught in some fibs, maybe some lies. Uh, politicians are known to do that, all right? He has promised not to run for re-election. He did that right after a pretty big ethics report came out, House of Representatives uh, Ethics Committee. 
This is one of the most salacious findings. Are you ready? During the 2020 campaign, a $1,500 purchase on the campaign debit card was made at Musa Aesthetics. This expense was noted as Botox in expense spreadsheets. And everybody has been freaking out that it's Botox, right? Oh, my goodness. How could he expense such a thing? And it goes on like this. Uh, he bought, similarly, the $1,400 charge at Virtual Skin Spa was a campaign debit card purchase that was also described as Botox. Wow, this is pretty scandalous, don't you think? A politician charging to the campaign, Botox, cosmetic work. Joe Biden has had a lot of cosmetic work, all right? I mean, he was bald, then he wasn't bald, and, you know, it just, he, everybody can see this guy has had a lot of plastic surgery. Just, I'm wondering, have we seen the books on this, right? Did he pay for that, or did some political action committee pay for it? I've spoken to some people, and that cosmetic work, you know, to look better on the campaign trail might actually be a legitimate campaign expense. But uh, Santos, they say, is a liar, just can't stop lying. That's what uh, they, they also get him on. He lied to voters about everything, his education, his professional background, his association with 9-11. He even claimed uh, that he was Jewish when he wasn't. All right. All of those lies sound awfully familiar. Huh? Who embellishes their life story, their educational credentials, their work history like crazy? Yeah, the big guy. What law school did you attend, and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, yes. could you quickly... I, I think, we I, I, think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. <laughs> I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law right. school, I decided... You know, you've seen this be clip before, school, right? Everything he's saying is a lie. And then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. Wrong. I won the international moot court competition. Lie. I was the outstanding student in the political science lie. department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees. Lie, lie, lie. Graduate school and 165 <laughs> credits, only needed 123 credits. And I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. And don't forget, he was shot at in Iraq. Bo Biden died in Iraq. He drove an 18-wheeler. He stood up to corn pop. He has a problem. So really, George Santos, I don't think his lies exceed Joe's. They don't actually even come close. They don't come close. So just stay tuned. Uh, he says he's not going to run for re-election. I think he's gotten a bum rap. And let's see what happens. Oh, meanwhile, America is not a country in decline. It is doing better than ever before. Just ask this guy, Joe Scarborough. You know, this is their... This is their in-house conservative. He was hired as the Republican on MSNBC. Listen to him. I think Democrats win by stealing the Republicans' old playbook. It was always easy to run against Democrats when they're bitching and whining about how bad America was and it's bad this way and it's awful, la, la, la. We go, we have a long way to go. My God, look at this country. Look at the opportunities it presents. Look what we're trying to be. Look, and it's the Republicans now, and that are talking about how awful America is. Oh, Donald Trump talks about is how horrible this country is. 
All right, Democrats, run on Joe Biden's record, huh? It's morning in America. We all know it's not. We all know this country is in a free fall. This is not normal. This has been normalized, but it's not America. It should not be this way. Legalized shoplifting, drug use, the border. We have no border. And yeah, the drug epidemic. We've never seen anything like this in America. You want to, Joe Biden's supposed to run on its morning in America? All oh, those Republicans, so negative. Well, we got a really bad situation on our hands, really bad. We're in big trouble as a country. Uh, but everything's fine over there at MSNBC. After all, ask Al Sharpton. You know they have a full-time racist over there? He's got his own show, and uh, he has the nerve to say that Donald Trump is a racist. And uh, Joe Biden agrees. It's Donald Trump. He's the problem. This guy, what he did in Charlottesville, talking about Trump, is a disgrace. I can't let that happen. And that's what kind of energized people. That not that, well, I have tried to pass these bills. I'm running because this guy's a racist. And we can't have a race. They're not connecting the noise with the policy. One of the worst race-baiting hustlers in the world, Al Sharpton, has a show on MSNBC. Just tune in and there is Reverend Al. And he knows better about Donald Trump. He was always trying to be his friend back in the 80s, back in the 90s. Look at him. I mean, I just, uh, and you know, there's plenty of racist activity in Al Sharpton's own life. And just outright outrageous behavior and language that would get most people canceled. I would love to use love, but if I've got to use hate, I'll deal with my hand calls for Al Sharpton, you can tune in every Sunday, MSNBC at 6 o'clock to watch the Al Sharpton Show, yeah, on MSNBC. Wow. Be right back. Are you at all concerned the president's reference to President Xi as a dictator could undo any progress from yesterday's meeting? I guess the question is, how sensitive is this relationship at this stage? Uh, Lester, it's no surprise that, um, and I don't think it'll be a news to anyone, that we have very different, different systems. And uh, the president always speaks candidly, and he speaks for us. Well, um, I actually had no beef or quarrel with Joe Biden when he called President Xi a dictator. But this guy, why does he have to be on TV all the time, by the way? He had a disastrous day yesterday. He wants to go on television. Uh, I have no problem with the dictator comment, but he sure did. Tony Blinken, Secretary of State, sitting in the front row. Watch. Mr. President, after today, would you still refer to President Xi as a dictator? This is a term uh, that you used earlier this year. All right, he wins big time. So what is the problem calling a dictator a dictator, even if he is in the next room? Well, maybe he's worried, more worried than Joe, about what the Chinese know about Joe and him, Tony. Look, take a quick look at this. It's the end at the end of a promotional video for that phony Penn Biden Center. Right? There's Joe, and the guy sitting to the left is very happy. This is back in like 2017, 2018. 
Joe's an ex-vice president, probably not going to run for president. They're happy. Why would they be so happy? Maybe because they're so rich at the Penn Biden Center, $77 million from the Chinese to the University of Pennsylvania. That's a lot of money. That would put a smile on my face. Well, not that it came from China. No, I wouldn't take the money. I really wouldn't. But those guys did. Yeah, they did. And maybe Tony understands that he's compromised along with the president. Maybe. Something, there's got to be a reason why he was crying at, at that summit. I mean, literally crying. Look at this. Take a good look. He's on the verge of tears. He's looking for a way out. Why is he so nervous? At this moment, he's sitting across from the Chinese. The president, President Xi, the foreign minister, all these people who probably have dirt, and he knows it, on him and, to, and the president, it's possible. We don't have conclusive proof about Tony, but he owes us an explanation. And the next time he goes on TV, somebody should ask him about it. Tony, Mr. Secretary, you're invited to The Greg Kelly Show anytime, and I'll be right back. It's time to talk about Newsmax Plus. Have you gotten it yet? It's a great deal. It's like five bucks a month, pennies a day. And look, it's not free to produce this place. It isn't. Um, but we have great content. We're very, very proud of it. And you can access all of it through Newsmax Plus. Go to NewsmaxPlus.com. You know, there are two Newsmaxes right now. There's Newsmax 2. There's the main Newsmax, this Newsmax, with great shows, great analysts. Um, and no one's doing the news like we do right here. You know that, right? 2024, it's going to be a big, big year. Um, you can count on us, and I think we can count on you, all right? So check out NewsmaxPlus.com. It'll take you through the steps, which you have to do. Uh, if you have satellite TV or you, you're watching us on cable, you really already have everything you need. But if you stream us or want to stream us uh, mobily and whatnot, you should really do it. It's a great deal. And thank you. And my family thanks you, including, who is it this time? Let's take a look. One-year-old one Madeline. Cheese. Somebody told her you're supposed to say cheese. Cheese. <laughs> cheese. Who said you got to say cheese? That we, you say cheese with the camera. They still say that. Anyway, that's Madeline. She is one, soon to be two. And her big sister, Annalise, has to be nicer to her. There's still too much pushing and shoving in the house. Folks, have a great weekend. Hey, Thanksgiving is next week, huh? A lot to be thankful for, but a lot to fight for. I'll see you soon.